so many characters in that are in Yakuza 0 are dead by the end of Yakuza 1. And so we're just like, what the fuck? Who is even in this game anymore? Who do we care about? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Because at least the prequel, yeah, you could go back and pluck anybody from any of right. the games. Exactly. So, like, if we had played one and been like, okay, yeah, this character we know dies at the end of one. Whereas, like, yeah. now we're, like, gearing ourselves up, like, oh, we're, we want to see where all of these characters go and what all of their arcs are. It's like, oh, all of their arcs end. Like, yeah, I was going to say, I wonder, like, do you you don't play as that same character in every game, right? Like, there's different protagonists? Uh, I think near the end of the series, there's more. Di- I think you're pretty much always playing as Kiryu, except for oh, okay. Zero, you're playing as Kiro- Kiryu and Goro. And Lauren and I love Goro Majima more than anything in the world. He's the best character at anything ever. Um, <laughs> and the... The apparently, from what I understand, zero is the way to kind of explain how his arc goes from one to six uh, in the series. Mm-hmm. But like the because apparently, like his he his character changes incredibly over the course of the series. But yeah. the change from zero to one is the most drastic thing in the world. Lord's like. Am I, do I not like this character anymore? <laughs> like, like right off the bat? Yes. Like, because interesting. he like, and the, yeah, I don't, um, we should start the podcast. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I feel <laughs> bad. We're, we're already like an about- hour in. Welcome to Pursuing Pixels. My name's Kevin Portelli, and I'm here tonight with John Hines. Hey there. And it is just the two of us again. I feel like it's been a little while since it's just been the two of us, although we've been bouncing all over the place, having some guests on the show. Randall's been back for a few episodes lately. Um, But yeah, let's just dig right into the video games off the bat. And John, I know you're uh, ticking off that uh, resolution game uh, that we, you know, every year for our holiday episode, right towards kind of like an end of the year wrap up. Cutting it close. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I'm cutting it even closer. I still haven't started Hyperlight Drifters, so Mm -hmm. I need to get on that. But but yeah, yeah, I know you were playing uh, some Picross action. So what were you uh, what were you playing this year? I was playing Mediatonic's Murder by Numbers which is a combination visual novel, murder mystery, and Picross game. Which and, and we should give just like a little context. And actually, when we had Matt Glanville on the podcast recently, he was saying that he's picked up some of those Picross-esque games that yeah. you've talked about. Oh, so John's so like coming good. from like a pretty big, I don't, I don't want to say like diehard Picross fan, but it just seems like a thing where you're just like, hey, there's a Picross that I haven't played. And I know right sale, off like, the I'll bat. I'll pick it up. Like when I see a set of numbers, I'm like, all right, I know exactly which boxes to fill the accountant, in. The like, accountant in you starts coming out. Oh, but at the same time, like you have mentioned before, like I, I want to pick cross with like a little something more to it. You know? Yeah. I know you've mentioned that a few times on the podcast. And that, I think that was part of the reason you made this your resolution. Like, hey, this could fit that bill. Yeah. So. Because I've played a few Picross games that, you know, try to add in something like a mechanic, like an RPG mechanic or something else where, you know, it kind of feels like it doesn't really fit in with the game or like kind of just adds in an extra thing that doesn't really, I don't know, doesn't add any value to it. Um, and yeah. uh, this one was something that, you know, I've, I've not actually played any of the Phoenix Wright games. I know that we've 
talked we've mentioned them before on the podcast. Yeah, but, Randall, I know is I think Randall and Tina are both big fans of that series. And I it's funny you mentioned that because I get a very much I've never played those either, but I get very much an ace attorney vibe just from the little clips you've shared. Oh yeah. And like that's part of the reason why I really wanted to play it, because I felt like even though like they're not necessarily like related genres at all, I felt like it was at least something that, you know, there's some legwork in the investigation and you're solving puzzles and then you're using those every uh, pick cross puzzle that you solve, you get a piece of evidence and then you can use that piece of evidence in your investigation. And then you're using that to ask different suspects and like in their question phase and be like, Oh, like what is like, do you recognize this piece of uh, evidence or, and like it, it actually does play and tie into the mechanics of the game in a way that I think is actually pretty fun. Like, but for the at the most part, the core of the game is this detective game. Like there's uh, the difference between the Picross levels and the detective levels are pretty night and day. Like the game basically grinds to a halt when you start a Picross game. But also that's my favorite part. So I, I was gonna say that mind. sounds like the gameplay. Where like for me, it like a game feels like it grinds to a halt when it's in the story section. I'm like, hey, give me back to the gameplay. Where like mm-hmm. is this bringing story? So is it doing like the detective gameplay? Like I'm I'm picturing Ace Attorney, but I'm also kind of picturing like Professor Layton. Are you doing like kind of some point and click stuff going on, or is it strictly more a visual novel presentation it's mostly a visual novel thing like when you are there is so you have scout which is your 1990s like uh ibm computer hover robot that is the one that is analyzing all of the pieces of evidence and that's how you're kind of doing these nonogram puzzles is because your scout is analyzing the data and inputting it. So the whole thing is very 90s themed. It takes you are a uh, you play a detective on a TV show. So it kind of also has these tropes of, say, like a psych or any of I don't know, actually is the like a soap opera almost or like more a procedural, very, very much. okay uh, like CSI. Yes. And which is I'm actually a huge fan of like crime procedurals, at least very specifically detective procedurals. I'm not a big fan of like the CSI or NCIS, but it, like it, are there any in partic- Okay, I was just gonna say, are there any particular that you're a fan of? Yeah, Columbo and Psych are two of my favorites. Like Psych is a, a very goofy and silly one, but it like has all the great tropes of like. An amateur, or like, I, I didn't really get into uh, like Bones or uh, Castle was uh, that was the one I was thinking of. But like, it, it's it's a well worn Best Buy days when Randall and I work in the Fox section, <laughs> yeah. all of them. <laughs> but it's it's well trod ground of like, oh, this amateur or like this actor or writer or murder she wrote, like this person right, who's right. not necessarily a detective is working on these cases and using their know how to like solve these. So it does like, I, it's and it, honestly doing a, as much of like scratching an itch for Picross as scratching an itch for this specific type of TV series that I haven't had in a interesting. while. Interesting. Interesting. Because like the there is such a there are a lot of, you know, crime shows that are just too much for me. Like yeah. I, I don't watch True Detective. I don't watch or what what was the one with uh David Tennant as uh Broadchurch. Like they're very serious, 
like crime or detective procedurals that are just very brutal in like well, their we, presentation. Yeah, we were talking about some of those like I've sometimes like put sometimes a lot of times like put on like true crime podcasts in the background yeah. and they're like very like like when you when you realize what you're listening to sometimes like number one you're just like this is fucking gross like yeah. what the fuck this yeah. why are you telling me this and then yeah. like sometimes you're just like this is also like so cringy like how like I don't know like the presentation of just like I, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I know what you mean, I think. Yeah, but, like, there there are certain, uh, there's a certain genre of, like, detective procedurals that I really enjoy, and those are the ones that are more lighthearted, even though they are almost always dealing with murder. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, it's very serious crime, but, like, you know, in a way that is, has a lot of humor or a lot of charm to it, and that, you know is in itself like has you know some problematic themes and like cheapening it and like also glorifying stereotypes police work and, that doesn't yeah. necessarily reflect that in any way in reality but <laughs> right right uh, but at the at the same time it is a uh like it, it's a genre that i really enjoy and i think this story does a really good job of like I, I've, I'm glad I played. I played through two of the four cases that are in it. Okay. And the first case kind of is an introductory one, but it's it's still got a fair amount of length to it. But the second one is by far, like far and away, like I think twice as long as the first case, and okay. like has a lot more dialogue options, a lot more investigative options, and a lot more like talking just to people in general. And I so was the, real quick, the, the investigative options like those are like conversational options mostly or so like there it's broken up into two things where you investigate as you go to a scene or a location and then scout will scan the scene and you are using your cursor to like hover over different areas. And then once it uh, the radar beeps or goes off, then like that's when it uh, pick cross puzzle starts, and then you solve okay, so that it's, puzzle. It's sort of got a little Professor Layton DNA, and like they're yeah. kind of surveying the scene. And okay, okay. And then when you solve a puzzle, then you have a piece of evidence, and then you can take that evidence. You're always asking questions to people, but then you can show them pieces of evidence as well, and that will sometimes unlock new questions that you can ask or new dialogue trees. And then that okay. will open up the net. I actually like got a little bit stuck on like the second one. And it was, I had asked all like the person that I like everything with all of the evidence the suspect. And, right. And then I went to another person and like, I talking to the second person unlocked something in the first person. So I had to go back and re ask the first person, all of the things I'd already asked them. So there is a little bit of like flags that you need to like cross in order to set up the, to advance in the story, but nothing that's, you know, too complicated or too difficult to do. Like it didn't take any, I don't think that was a flaw necessarily, but it it's a lot more interactive than I was expecting, but at the same time, like it does feel very scripted in that like okay. the the way that the first case ended, I was like, is there a way to get a different ending of this? Or is it always going to be the same events that play out? And I think Yeah. I think what happens is that there is a set of events that will always play out and just your score at the end 
will change and your score unlocks additional puzzles that you can play outside of the game. And I don't know if you unlock all the puzzles and clear all the puzzles, you get maybe get an additional story or something. So there's an incentive okay. to go back and like get a perfect score on everything. So then you can unlock all the puzzles in the game and then complete all that. So there's there's definitely an incentive to go back and do things better but I don't necessarily think like it's possible to fail if that makes sense. Okay. I think it's that's sort a, of a good thing though, depending on like depending on the game. But like sometimes you do want to just like kind of casually breeze through an experience and like you know get a little taste and like flavor of the mechanics. But like I don't necessarily want to be getting a game over every five minutes and restarting yeah. the level over and over again and be on a strict timer to finish these puzzles or whatever you know. That said, that I did look, I tried to look up something because there was uh, a feature that I really liked in the game where uh, I'm actually playing on the easiest setting for the Picross puzzles just because I didn't know how much that would impede the gameplay of the actual investigations. So I was like, you know, right. I'll just play it on the easiest setting and see how this works. But there is a section yeah. uh, where you will hack using scout and when you hack i'm not sure i couldn't find if like it is just a randomly generated picross puzzle with no hints and no you aren't allowed to use x's you're only allowed to fill in the blanks so you okay. can't guide it and you but it's you can't a timer. say like oh this is a blank like i don't want to fill this in right but it's a timer then like and every mistake you make ticks down the timer and okay. honestly, that was the most accurate depicting of like or feeling of hacking I've ever felt in a video game because yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm stressed out. I'm like, OK, I can't make any mistakes. I have to get all of this right. I have to like make sure I'm only filling in the correct boxes and I'm doing like four of these puzzles in a row with no mistakes. And like that felt really good. But the only thing I could find was someone being like. I, I can't get past the third cases like hacking section and it's impossible to skip and you like need to finish it in order to complete the case. And I'm like, ooh, I could definitely see how that would be like a roadblock for someone. And like that. Yeah, especially in this type of game. Yeah. Where, like especially in a game that like for all other purposes feels like it's difficult to lose. So like right, have something right. that is uh, like legitimately like impeding your progress and like seems difficult but i did really love it so like part of me is like oh but i love this part i don't want that part to be gone right right yeah i i, I always like a good even when they're simple like even when it's just like a pipe dream or whatever that game is like, mm -hmm. like i'm kind of a sucker for a good good hacking mini game yeah yeah but i'm i'm really enjoying it and i'm i'm pumped to you know play the rest of the game because it's it's at the very least got its hooks in me and like because I was a little lukewarm on the story at the beginning of uh, the second case, but like by the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, nah, I just I want to see more. This has all of the perfect tropes of a detective procedural. Like this is hitting all the buttons that I want. So I'm I'm enjoying yeah. it. I'm gonna keep playing it. Is it hitting like? Because for me, like it kind of reminds me. Like it, we talked about this a long time ago on the podcast, you and I, John. But the the world next door, like yeah. it kind of reminds me of the. Because, like, I really liked the gameplay in that game, even though it, like, the stakes never got high enough. Like, there were, the balance was off, but, like, the gameplay yeah. and the presentation were really nice. Like, it, it, they had a lot going on, but it didn't quite 
connect the dots if that makes sense yeah but like I mean, but i'm if, getting that vibe of like the kind of visual novel presentation that that was even more scripted in the sense of like yes you're going through these just kind of story beats and then playing a section of like a dungeon with some puzzle action in between but like even that felt kind of easy and like yeah inconsequential almost and it, it might be a genre thing in that like this type of story just appeals to me more for murder by numbers but if it also like gives away anything like the fact that i have not thought of the world next door until you mentioned it at this point it took like, me so long to remember the name i was like the world ends with you the oh, world yeah. the, which one is it because it was good uh, it was not it wasn't a bad game i didn't dislike it but yeah i didn't have the drive to keep going through it but like yeah it didn't this get the one hooks i'm like in me but it was like oh, a cool concept it was like it was like I wanted it to be a better game. Like, it, like nothing against it, but it, I was just like, man, I wish this grabbed me more because it's it's almost something really unique and really cool. It's it is really unique and really cool, but it's like almost it's something not really me, special yeah. on top of that. Yeah, it, it definitely is for someone, but not for me. And it's a bummer that it's not like directly like hitting my all the everything that I want. Yeah, because on paper it, for both you and I, I think it like checks off a lot of boxes where it's like, ooh, this is nice. Yep. Um. But yeah, I, I wanted to give a, a shout out to a few games that I've been playing. You know, I haven't been digging like a ton of time into a lot of games lately. I've been kind of just poking around and playing the first few levels of some games. And uh, I've been playing a bunch of like really expressive platformers and like specifically kind of they, they like there's an element of precision going on. But like kind of like we've been talking about with Murder by Numbers, kind of low stakes. Like I don't know how to explain it because like there is an element of precision to all these games or like racking up combos or whatever it might be. Like there's an element of like that, like gaming element, I guess. But at the same time, it's like, it just feels like I'm kind of casually playing these games, which has been really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first one I want to mention is the gardener and the wild vines. And I kind of like a little bit wrote this game off as like kind of a gimmicky thing. Cause you just see some like gameplay clips and it's, it's a 2d side scrolling platformer, but at the same time you're kind of like, climbing up like think like the like klonoa games like 2.5d where there is like some 3d elements going on you're actually like kind of scaling up these towers and like climbing up them and there's there'll be these vines growing up the towers and you play as this gardener with these giant like shears that you like chop into the flowers and every time you chop like one of the flowers on the vines it like will open that up and make like a little leaf platform for you to stand on and you kind of like slice and like dash through the flower Hmm. and then once the little leaf platform is there you can either obviously just stand on it and jump on it regular or you can kind of almost do like a ground pound and like spring off of it and get some like massive extra height and like the reason it's so expressive is like it does seem to be like the levels are handcrafted but like the way that the flowers and whatnot spawn after you like chop the flowers on the vines like they they seem to kind of randomly grow off of that Hmm. and you're kind of like it's meant for you to kind of rack up combos like if you can keep slicing flowers in a quick succession you you, it it isn't even a situation where like you can't land like you can land but you, you there's like a just a quick cool down timer but if you can keep slicing and again, the points are kind of arbitrary for the best that I could tell. You know, you get a ranking on a level or whatever. Mm. But at the end of the day, you're kind of like just climbing a tower and there'll be like a knight up at the top of the tower and they'll be like, hey, the prince is in another tower. You need to go go to another tower. So there's like a the, the humor in the writing is like really well done. It's like never is intrusive. There's just like a little dialogue sequence before and after each stage between your gardener and like the knight that you're that is like kind of like, are you seriously still trying to climb these towers, man? And you're like, yeah, I'm trying 
trying to find the prince. Um, and again, flipping the script, you're trying to rescue the prince, which is cool. Um, but it's just got a bunch of cool mechanics where like, again, with those shears, like to kind of slow your fall, kind of like Super Mario World with the cape, like where you hold down a button to kind of like flutter down a little slower. Mm-hmm. You actually like dig your shears into the side of the tower and like kind of grind down a little slower. And like nice. I saw some clips of some later stages, like there's like bullet hell, almost like projectiles, like chasing you around the tower and like. I don't know. There's like a hidden little bird, like love bird on each stage that adds some puzzle elements where it's like sometimes it's you have to reach like where the hidden bird cage is in a certain like in a limited amount of time. Gotcha. Sometimes it's uh, in a certain number of I can't remember what the other unlocks were, but you had to like reach it within like maybe it's like not chopping a certain number of flowers or something. But just like I don't know for a game that like I, I think I said right off the top, like it looked like it could kind of be like just a cool visual presentation, but maybe kind of a gimmicky thing. I was like, oh, this is really fun and can't wait to play more of this. Nice. Um, and then another 2D platformer that I also can't wait to play more of. And admittedly, I have not played much of this game at all, but I'm really it's one that I was really anticipating. We got sent a copy of this game from the developer. Uh, it's called Webbed. And it's a 2D side-strolling platformer. I want to say it's got some open-world elements. I got to a point where there was like a map screen, but kind of more like like Randall was talking about Ori recently, like kind of more like where there's like that kind of like massive map screen that you can zoom way out and kind of see all the different sections and then like zoom in and like maybe each section is more like a level, like Gato Roboto style. Right. But it's a game where like, it can be really difficult sometimes to play like a twin stick platformer, if you will, where you're kind of like aiming with one of the sticks to like, in this case, shoot your web to not only like sometimes it's like your attack. It's actually they're just like web lasers <laughs> that you shoot like that right off the bat. There's like a crow that comes and steals like your I think it's your boyfriend or girlfriend. I forget it steals your partner and uh, you have to go rescue your partner. But like right off the bat, like again, you play as this spider and Uh, an awesome feature of this game is if you happen to be uh, arachnophobic you can actually even though like all the characters are spiders you can turn on arachnophobia mode and it just Mm -hmm. turns them all into like goopy blobs yes and you can just play and it's just such a cool like hey this game that is like strictly based around spiders uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna throw you a bone you know it's always nice to see like I'm always a big fan of when they add like confetti instead of blood or something like that. Like just, you know, I don't need to see blood splattering all over the place all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's always nice to see. But um, yeah, webbed. I, I just really like again, you're shooting kind of twin stick lasers, but they really do a like the thing I was most impressed by is like you are using the right stick to kind of aim your either your lasers or your like web swinging like it's, you know, 2D side scrolling Spider-Man style, mm-hmm. you know, web slinging like unbelievably expressive but you're instead of like having one of the shoulder buttons be your jump button it still uses like the typical face button for jumping and then it kind of like reverts to like using the left stick as you're aiming when you're in midair so like you kind of you don't always have to be playing it like a twin stick shooter where like games like bleed or i've mentioned a few other like side-scrolling platformer shooters in the past that like you do have to kind of use the shoulder buttons to jump and that can be a little bit, at least for me, difficult to do. Like, I, yeah. I kind of just need to press buttons with my thumb when I'm playing a video game. Um, there, there are certain but, things that, yeah, I'm, I've am i at least trained myself that I'm okay with, like, you know, using a, a, a shoulder button for a grapple hook or for a right. trigger on a gun. But, like, or a dash jump or is something. not one of them. It's just, I, I've there's not been enough games that have used 
that setup that doesn't feel supernatural to me. It feels wrong. It yeah. feels wrong. And this is coming from somebody that's like, when I play certain games from like Matt Ugg, who I haven't raved about in a while on the podcast, honestly, but like there's some games that are like kind of mouse controlled, but you also need to control like a 2D platforming character. Mm-hmm. And I will straight up like map the controls with a with anti-micro, like a controller remapping software to be like, I'm controlling the character with the joystick or the D-pad, yeah. pressing the left trigger to jump and then aiming with the mouse. So I have like the controller in my left hand and then the mouse in my right hand. Okay. I and that's like, see. that's how I'll play those games. Cause like, I, it's like, there'll be a type of game where it's like, you can't duplicate it with dual stick controls. Like you really need to be able to whip the mouse, the cursor around like from left to right and from one side of your character to the other. So like, you need to be able to have that immediacy, but yeah, I Super can't recommend anti micro. Odyssey enough. was mapped to the jump was a correct. It might have been no, I think it was B. Because I thought I B think it was B. shoot, like with the I haven't played Odyssey in so long. I mean, I, I, I don't want to belabor Odyssey the point. It's my least favorite Mario game, so it's the least memorable to me. No, 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 not um, Odyssey. Sorry. Galaxy. Good lord. Galaxy. I'm trying to think. It was the well on the Wii remote, I'm trying to think. I didn't play it. I didn't play that. I didn't pick up the what? collection. It's you not didn't? no, I knew. No, it no, no, but it, like on the Wiimote, yeah, on like that's what I'm talking about, like because like that is kind of like I was trying to figure. I'm, I'm holding my hands up to think, like you can't see it on the podcast. I know, yeah, but, um, <laughs> but, no, but it was the A. It was still like it was, your it was thumb the A button because the B button. was the trigger to shoot the yeah star to bits. shoot the star bits. Yep, yeah. Yep. So like even that, yeah, even like because when you were describing the the like mouse and half of a controller, I'm like that's kind of like a Wiimote and nunchuck almost like. Yeah, it's not that far off. Yeah. Especially, yeah, you are using your right hand to kind of like aim. Yeah. yeah. That's actually pretty damn close. Um, I honestly wish I had a nunchuck to hold in my left hand because it's sort of awkward holding like a regular controller yeah. and like <laughs> so one handing it. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I, I've been really impressed with web. Like, it, uh, like, honestly, I played around like almost like I've mentioned this before, even like when I first got a Nintendo 64 and spent like 20 minutes running around in the courtyard of yep. the castle. Like I kind of had that experience of like there's like this little kind of it's like an opening cutscene. You play through a couple screens of just teaching you the ropes and there's like a little crow that comes and steals your your partner away. I think I mentioned that, too. But like mm-hmm. uh, after that, I've like I've really just played a little bit past that and just kind of like experimented around with like the web slinging you can even like nice so you're not just using it to swing around but you're like you can also like use a different shoulder button to like attach it to this wall and like build a bridge so like you attach it to one point aim at another point let go and then you build a bridge that you can walk over but then you can once you build that bridge you can then connect your web to that bridge and it's like oh it's just so expressive how much you can like and like the sense of momentum and like just swinging yourself around like it's just so I have almost played nothing of this game and I've already had so much fun. So I'm I'm really excited to dig into like what the game actually is because yeah. um, the controls themselves are just so much fun. And like I, I just want to give one more shout out to a 3D platformer uh, called Glyph. And this game really kind of combines like everything that even though I haven't played like the Marble It Up games that Randall has uh, hyped up on the podcast before like the 3D kind of marble madness uh, homages, if you will. But like, I'm a big fan of that style of gameplay, or even they're almost like Super Monkey Ball style games. Um, but Glyph is like you play as this kind of like beetle 
kind of ball character that is mostly in ball form and then you can like double jump like i played through the tutorial in a handful of stages i kind of thought it was gonna be a little different structure of a game but it's it really is just like a stage based almost like racing game 3d platforming hybrid like a little bit of like even like tori 3d is kind of got some of that dna like it's kind of like these straight line levels and you're jumping around and you got a double jump um you have a ground pound that when you utilize it properly you can get more height on your jumps and then you also have like a kind of like cape like flutter like you like flap your little beetle wings hover Mm -hmm. and like get a little just a little extra height but definitely more distance if you're trying to cover like they're basically you're just like at least in the first world you're kind of like bouncing around and traveling around these ruins and you can't touch the sand it's basically like the floor is lava is essentially the game and you're just trying to not touch the ground not touch anything that's not safe and bounce around and there's like little double jump power pads that you can grab and like just really great I don't know. Again, it looked like a game that was like maybe a little simple on the surface, but like looked really fun to play. And I was like, you know, I I am a sucker for a 3D platformer. And like, let's give this game a try. And like, I found myself like, let's play another level. Let's play another level. Let's play another level. And like, I just kept playing this game. Like, it's so much fun. Um, And it's bit. it just came out on PC. It oddly came out on consoles before uh, PC, which is almost never the case. But like, I saw it on Switch a long time ago and actually played the demo and really liked it. And then I... Uh, again, we got offered a copy from the developers, and I was like, "Oh man, this looks cool!" And I, I'll definitely check this out. And uh, was very happy to like play beyond the demo because it was the demo alone. Like, kind of introduces some mechanics where you're like, "Whoa, this is pretty cool!" And then after that, it like, "Oh, this is like a full fledged like arcadey experience, but full fledged experience." I'm I'm really pumped to play more of this game. And again, 3D platformers, we don't get enough of them. And they're not always, you know, even Mario Odyssey. I, you know, I've mentioned enough times that I'm not the biggest fan of that one. So um, it's always nice to kind of get something. And again, that uh, adds in that racing element is really cool as well. Yeah. But speaking of 3D kind of uh, expressive controls, I know this isn't exactly a platformer, but close enough. There's, it basically some, feels like one. There's some there's platforming elements. around. You need to get on yeah. verticality, but... You got to land on the, the rails. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, with all of the base characters, uh, 100%ed every campaign, every skate tour in Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. <laughs> Which, Which is pretty insane. Like I'm imagining that's quite a bit of gameplay. I know you've been you've been putting in quite a bit of time on the Switch that I've seen. And and we should probably mention that I know Randall's talked about this a few times on the podcast, and we always go on our Tony Hawk tangents whenever he brings it up. But like I think this is the first time we've talked about the Switch version of this like yes. new Tony Hawk one and two. Which I will say as someone who played Tony Hawk one on the N sixty four and Tony Hawk two on I guess the first time I played it was on a Windows 98, and then the second time I played it was on a Dreamcast in college. Okay. I was Um, always PS1. I very much associate Tony Hawk with PlayStation. Oh, yeah. It was... uh, I I don't know why I got it on PC. I didn't have very many games on PC, but for whatever... I think maybe 2 didn't come out on N64 right away if it did, or maybe it was a GameCube game. Not sure, honestly. Yeah, I don't remember, yeah. But for whatever reason, 2, which is one of my favorite games of all time, if not my favorite game of all time... Ooh. uh, It's... Yes, I adore this. those two games in particular, and 2 especially of the two... Yeah. But as soon as the the game was announced, I was ecstatic. 
and was willing to wait however long it was going to take for it to be on a system that I could easily play it on because uh, yeah, when Randall got was an Xbox was when he yeah he like pre-ordered it on Xbox yes and the pre-order included the demo yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and I will say as someone who played it on those old systems I had zero qualms with it like it running on whatever frame rate it's running on and with whatever (laughs) downgrades the switch has on it um and I had no issues with it and like and then I saw a video I was trying to like figure out this one gap I couldn't remember because I'm uh, now working on a hundred percenting every gap in every level um oh my god I I know I love these games so much that all I want to do is just exist in these levels like that's what yeah. I spend most of my time now doing now there's that I so have much every... nostalgia going on too because it's not just the gameplay it is the music and the, it is the... oh my god the sound and the new tracks like I was I'm... gonna say yeah they did it from I remember us talking about this I can't remember if it was on or off the podcast but I remember us talking about like they like they added new stuff but it, like it doesn't feel out of place it feels right. like it just belongs yeah because like adding the like soundtrack from one and two like it did cover like a fair amount of genres so yeah adding in some more pop punk some more ska some more hip-hop like yeah they did all do a works. good job of spreading the and like and songs like i don't want to say that it like got me into those genres but like i I didn't really care for hip hop at the time, but like I liked a lot of those songs. Like, Ugh. I, you know, Here, I like I got into it. Here's an embarrassment. I uh, recently made an ass out of myself because I was listening to Bring the Noise by Public Enemy. And it's I was, so funny. That's a song I had in my head for whatever reason. That's but, a song I had in my head. I didn't know that was Public Enemy either. Oh, I was in a car with <laughs> someone and I'm like, I was like, is this is this a remix? This this sounds wrong. I know this song. And then that's when I realized that the Tony Hawk version is Anthrax covering. That's right. <laughs> that's why I was like, that's a, that's a public enemy song? It is a public. It's originally a public enemy song. And then Anthrax does this weird fucking metal cover of it that they add in like a bunch of weird noises and guitars on it. Yeah. And, yeah. But if, regardless, uh, it's a great soundtrack great environments but like um so yes no the story i was in the middle of saying was that uh i looked online and saw a video of i'm guessing either pc playstation or xbox and saw it running at a much higher frame rate with much higher fidelity and i was like oh that's what this game looks like on everywhere (laughs) else so there is a significant downgrade in like quality but i I do not care. That doesn't like at the end of the day, you're still playing Tony Hawk one and two upgraded. Yeah. I have played it on like any system I can get my hands on. I'm not picky. I just want to play it. And that is what you get. You get the exact controls. I can land all of, I know where like I have the muscle memory for the combos. Like I can do the Marseille France, like <laughs> over, out of the bowl onto the uh, lamp post, lamp post to manual, manual to the uh, quarter circle the rail to one rail to the next to the next. Like I have all of this like decades long muscle memory that still just yeah. is perfect in these games that like look so different like than that what they used to and but they still feel the same and that feeling is just. Ugh, and when you perfect. when you say they look so different, is it really just like the improved visuals? Because like everything I've seen, like 
when I look at it real qu- at a quick glance, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that stage, or I remember yeah. that. Like it, it I mean, almost like Im- Im- immediately recognizable. But like, I remember playing uh, which one calls it uh, Streets, in which is the San Francisco level from the original one, and yeah, there is yeah. so much fog and pop up on the N sixty four for that game. That, yeah. like, you can't go down the first hill in the game and see the other end. Like, you can't even see, like, the next <laughs> building in the level. Like, yeah. so, it, it they, like, uh, there are some other things. Oh, God. Like, all of the ads and product placement are updated, too. So, like, a mm. bunch of, like, it was funny watching some skate videos that have all the brands, at least, that aren't, like, the ones that have paid to put their name in the game are thing out. But you see this giant monster logo or, like, other things. But then right. they'll also have, like, uh, in the New York level, they'll have a giant uh, billboard that's just displaying, like, a fake news broadcast with, like, people, like, literal people. Like, it's, there is so much more detail in these games that they could just not do back when they released the original ones. And they, it looks great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really need to pick these up because, like, it is, like, the perfect. And even, like, again, I know you're saying it's, like, a little bit of a downgrade on Switch, but, like, being able to play it in bed and like play oh let me just play a few runs and like playing tony hawk's pro skater 2 handheld and not the gba version is (laughs) like uh, like, well having all having both of the games rolled into one with all the characters and all again i know it's not every song but most of the songs and you know that, that was the other thing i i didn't mention but i don't know how it is on the playstation or xbox versions of the game but the load times are very long like yeah minute maybe uh okay. for levels so like but once you do a level once you're loaded into a level like you can just restart it and it'll start right back up but that okay. kind of does if you're i was about to say did they like have it like, get more open or because i remember like the main thing with tony hawk i remember those two minute runs like oh yeah it's like, all about the, that two minute run yeah the two minute runs are still there like the the all the uh whatchamacallit's uh objectives are exactly the same. I think they added extra objectives into oh, one cool. to make it match the because they have more objectives in the two levels uh than yeah. they do in the first one. So they added like maybe two or three to each of those. But that may have been in the I don't know, there was an Xbox remake of one and two, like age yeah. like original xbox yeah 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 so i don't know if those were originally introduced then or like uh but does it does it does I, and i forget I, and i'm pretty sure when we talked about it before i'm sure randall mentioned this but does it feel like a cohesive packet like yes does it feel very distinctly like you're picking oh i'm playing tony hawk one and i'm playing tony hawk two or is it all kind of truly rolled into one game they are split into two skate tours so you hundred percent Tony Hawk's one and you can and you can start each of them either time so like there I was mixing it up where I would do all of like the first level in one and then I would move on to the first level in two or I would just finish all of two first and then go to one and like yeah. you they're separated into separate uh whatchamacallit it's campaigns or skate tours but I don't necessarily think they needed to do that like yeah. they could have just e- as easily done like 
here are all the levels and you're just playing like one i i I get it it makes more sense i think if you're you know maybe someone who's only played one or only played two like you're like oh yeah this gate the levels are presented in the order and like the number of tapes or a checklist that you need to unlock to get the next one is the same and they've yeah they've changed how you map specials from like because two you could have like it mapped to every input I'm pretty sure, but uh, like every yeah, you can like input. customize it, yeah, yeah, and you can still do that, but there's a limited amount. Like you only have, I think, eight or ten slots as opposed to like per every combination, like left and right, left and up, left and down. like, uh, yeah. So that's you're a little bit more restricted than that, but that then it makes it. I don't know. You have to plan it out a little bit more, and each character has their own challenges, which are unlocked. There's Good lord, there's so much more to this game. There's well, yeah, there's so many characters because again, multiplayer, two added, so many more new. Yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, multiplayer was actually fun. I did play a couple rounds and like they shuffle. Like you would enter a lobby and you would like it would load a stage, and then you would just start skating while you're waiting for everyone to like load in. So there's not like lag in between. Like however yeah, long yeah. it takes for you. So like you, you're just random people like skating around, and the game mode starts. So they start with. Uh, or it, it might i think it's also random at least for the free ver, uh what's the i don't know what it's called necessarily but I, I just played like the quick rank match so i wasn't trying to do yeah. like oh the specific game mode or whatever so it would just cycle through game modes and cycle through just levels. find a match yeah and and that was fun it was great i I never won any of them, but I held my own. I think I got bronze a couple time on a couple different matches. But is it is it all like score based? Like you're just trying to beat somebody's score? Because I remember there were like those skate modes, like try to. I guess those are score based too. But like, do here you start right here, and you have like you just get to do one trick and like yeah. So they yeah. they do have like I didn't. I think I only played four different game modes. So one of them was like longest combo. One of them was like highest score. And then there's, they kept graffiti, which was a mode where like every trick you would do off of a piece of like the architecture in the game, like you would, would like paint it, it your color. Yeah. And then someone, in order for someone else to tag it, they would have to get a higher point trick or combo off of that. Ah, and, okay. I, I remember that mode, but I forgot that's how it worked. Oh, it's such a such that's a, a cool good mode. yeah. That's a cool mode. It's yeah, so yeah. good. Oh, and then you're just like trying to like push for higher combos, and then like hoping that you don't bail. Like, oh, such a. I love this game. God damn it, I love this series. This is just a perfect game for me. It makes me so yeah. happy. And, and part of the reason I asked about like how they structured like or how they stitched the two together is because like I picked up that Ali Ali switch stance yeah. uh, collection, which is Ali Ali one and two, which is basically Tony Hawk in 2D form. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure I've talked about him on the podcast at some point, but like Ali Ali two, just like Tony Hawk two, added in manuals and stuff yeah. like that, like added in all these mechanics. But like that game is very much like you buy the game. It's Ali Ali switch stance, but like you very much like on the main menu, like you pick either Ali Ali one or Ali Ali two. And you just play like it's either game totally independently of one another, like to the point where I, I don't even think like once you boot one up, I think you have to like quit the game to go back to like the main, like, I don't even think there's a way to like back to the main menu. Gotcha. Like you have to exit the game, reboot it yeah. to reboot like Ali Ali two, but like Ali Ali two is one of my favorite games. And then going back to Ali Ali one well, I'm sure at the time it was awesome. It's like not being able to manual and like having like the few limitations that 
came along with that game is like, oh, I want to play this, but like I it's just not as good as two. So yeah. I, there's no reason. But like being able to go and play Tony Hawk one with manuals and all that and stuff. Tony Hawk two is like, and one with reverts as well, which was from. Oh, three. that's right. I forgot they added that as well. So like having both of those, like it is enough of a change that you it's just so fun. Well, God. it opens up. It's got to open up those levels a ton. Like it makes scoring high on the first couple level or the first Tony Hawk levels unbelievably easy it's so well yeah because that first stage is so confined at that uh confined that warehouse or whatever it's inc- I forget, like I you can it's do a warehouse it's so easy to do a trick that like just covers the entire stage it, and feels, it feels so, so good, good to do yeah to just go through that vert ramp smash through the glass get mm-hmm. that secret tape grind around the like half yep. the half half pipe or the go quarter over pipe the kicker go up this uh it's perfect it's, it's so good and it's i can picture that whole level like in my head i can the every last element of the geometry i've got it in my head so yeah that's and and you're saying like it the fact that it just feels like muscle memory is just ah it's so good it's so I think, good i think maybe it took like a level or two to like getting used to it on like maybe the switch specifically like using a pro controller but like as soon as i like like finished a single campaign like it was like on like second nature didn't all the timing all that stuff yeah and even even when we were before we started recording but even just you talking about like some of the skaters that are in the games Mm. like even that just takes me back it's like man i kareem campbell jeff raleigh like ugh. Uh, Burnquist, I got. I need them all. I, I need this game. I don't. I I probably will get it on Switch if I'm if I'm being honest. That seems like the platform to get it on. Even though, like you said, it might run a little smoother, faster. Oh yeah, more powerful, whatever you want to call it Quicker. on other platforms. But yeah, but Switch, it just seems like I'll I'll play it the most there. So yeah, um, yeah I'm gl- I'm glad that this game is getting a a second wind or even third wind maybe because I I kind of forgot about those Xbox re releases, but. Yeah, we can never get enough Tony Hawk, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't even complain because three and four were pretty good too. I wouldn't be hey, mad if they put a little bundle together of three I don't think and I four. Ever played four, but I would. Yeah, I would. I, I didn't play much of it either. I, I kind of played one, two, and three were my mains, but mm-hmm. yeah, I remember four being pretty good too. So, hey, I'll um, buy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or even DLC. Who knows? Who knows? But I think we could wrap up the uh, games chat this uh, week, there, John. Yes, sir. Nice. Uh, yeah, as always, you can find us on the internet at uh, pursuingpixels.com. We're on Discord. I forgot to mention that last time, but yeah, we're in Discord all the time. Uh, Twitter, Instagram a little bit, YouTube, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, pursuingpixels.com. And uh, otherwise, we will catch you next week. And uh, until then, take care. Bye. Only going to say the sentence when we don't need to make a whole conversation about it um but i i I keep like looking up like all right how what is the minimum number of acreage you need in order to make have a winery and like what is the easiest grape to grow well like what is the shittiest wine i can make and then sell to like the local like i don't know dive bars being like hey here you go. Here's the I cheapest. I got some Heinz. I got some Heinz. Chug a lug Heinz for you. Here's some rot gut domestic for you. Yeah, this is. Gr- I grew these grapes within city limits. Yeah, there's. <laughs>